0: This is a QAMR Berghofer Medical Research Institute podcast. Today we're talking about melanoma. It's one of the cancers with really good outcomes if found early, and it's something you can usually check for. Ironically, one of the most difficult to see is the one that grows in the eye. About 175 cases of uveal melanoma, which is a type of ocular or eye cancer, are diagnosed in Australia each year. And half those cases will spread. Dr. Kelly Brooks is a part of our oncogenomics team and they have discovered some clues which may open up avenues for treatment. Hi, I'm Claire Blake and you're listening to Body Lab. Welcome, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Is uveal melanoma the same as the melanomas that form on our skin?
1: So... Both the skin melanomas and uveal melanomas, or any cancer that gets called a melanoma, are called this because they arise from a type of cell that naturally occurs in the body and is normal called melanocytes. Any cancer that comes from these cells will be called melanoma. Once they become a cancer, that's kind of where the similarities end. Skin melanomas have very different gene defects to those that we see in the eye melanomas, And this makes them behave completely differently to each other. The way we need to approach them and treat them and manage them is also completely different. Melanomas form on the skin, in the eye. They can also form in the central nervous system, your brain and anywhere where you've got neurons, the cell types that make up your brain. And also in what we call mucosal layers, so the inside of your mouth or your nose or other internal surfaces in the body. Those ones are dangerous because they are hard to find. We know a a lot less about them than the skin cancers, so this has meant that we haven't progressed very far in developing treatments for them.
0: Back to uveal melanoma, is this something an eye check, a regular eye test at your optometrist would pick up?
1: Most regular eye checks will find them. They do often look at the back of your eye and can find things that are there. A number of people will actually have moles or nevi, which we're more obviously used to seeing on the skin but things like that actually do occur on the back of your eyes as well. Depending on the size will depend on how easy it is to pick up in a normal eye test. If you have an eye test where you get the drops to help dilate your eyes, they will definitely see anything if it is there, but anything of size would be picked up by a normal eye test. 95% of them occur inside the eye and you cannot visibly see these from the outside. There are 5% of them which do occur on the iris, which is the colored part of your eye, And those ones you can see just looking in the mirror, and they are definitely the earliest ones to be detected. Kelly, sunlight exposure
0: isn't the reason then behind this type of melanoma?
1: No, not for the majority of them. Unlike the skin cancers, which all of them are pretty much caused by UV exposure, we don't see this in the uveal melanomas. And damage that is caused by UV or sun damage actually leaves a kind of footprint on the DNA that we can see when we look at the DNA from these tumours. For the majority of uveal tumours, we don't see this footprint. However, those 5% that I mentioned that occur in the iris, those ones you can see at the front of your eye, we actually recently showed that they do have a strong UV signature, which means that they are getting sun damage, and this is likely contributing to their growth and potentially to how they're going to behave. But it is only 5% of them. So you don't yet know the cause of these melanomas? No. As for the majority of the other uveal melanomas, we don't really have any cause as such that we know. We know some people will inherit a risk of this from their families, so things that are passed down in their genes can make them more likely to develop it. A couple of genes in particular that we know can increase your likelihood of developing uveal melanoma, but for the vast majority of them, we don't know what triggers them. Which makes it very challenging to treat, I guess. It's hard to control them. You can take preventative measures for skin cancer by putting on sunscreen, seeking shade, wearing hats. But for the majority of the eye melanomas, there's nothing you can particularly avoid to help in prevention. As well as the risk factors you
0: mentioned, for uveal melanoma, are there others?
1: There are some, mostly ones that you can see by looking at people, and these are ones that are often associated with increased risk of developing skin melanomas mm. as well, such as pale skin and blue eyes in particular are associated with an increased risk of uveal melanoma, mm-hmm. though we don't really understand why that is the case.
0: I'm guessing the treatment is different depending on the stage of presentation of the uveal melanoma,
1: but what is the first line treatment now? Now there's a range depending on the size of the tumour when it is first detected in the eye. It can be anything from directed laser or radio plaque therapy where they just open the eye and put a little plaque on the tumour and close it back up again. Or it can, if it is large enough or causing other problems, can involve the removal of the whole eye. But normally if it is contained within the eye, it is fairly manageable. Once it spreads, however, is when we start having a lot of trouble trying to treat patients because it behaves completely different from cutaneous melanoma's. And most of the treatments we have out there are treatments that have been developed specifically for skin melanomas. They just really do not work in uveal melanoma. And this can come down to a number of reasons, including the fact that the genes that are defective in skin melanomas are just completely different to those that are defective in eye melanoma. Two very different cancers that need two very different treatment approaches.
0: It's really scary. And I guess vision loss is one of the problems that you get depending on when it presents.
1: That is a very big factor for patients. While not life-threatening, it obviously has a big impact on their lifestyle. Even if the whole eye is not removed, some of the other treatments do cause some vision loss as well and damage to the vision in the eye. Even if you don't lose the eye, some of the treatments to manage the tumour when it's in the eye can cause some vision loss as well. And this is a big thing that patients need to adapt to in terms of lifestyle. It will affect the way they do many things, depth perception and in some cases even their ability to drive. And obviously if they do lose the eye, this can have a big impact emotionally as well as and aesthetically how they look and how they feel about themselves. And it's something that a lot of patients have a hard time overcoming and a bit of a battle with to come to terms with and accept. That's the side of the fact that this is the
0: melanoma that's most likely to spread. Over half of those will spread, which is pretty frightening.
1: Yeah, so even though it is far less common than skin melanomas, the rate of it spreading or the percentage of cases that will spread is a lot higher So 50% of people who present with uveal melanoma will experience spreading of the disease. And this is nearly always to the liver. So a lot of the time, these patients will present with this tumour coming up in the liver. And that's when it becomes a real challenge to treat.
0: Is it just the liver or is it some other organs that it's likely to go to?
1: There are a number of organs it will go to, but... It often starts with the liver, and nearly always about 90% of cases include the liver. Most of the scientists I talk to here, they come from a place of passion.
0: It's a really tough job. The hours are terrible. It's definitely not lucrative. Is there something from your family in this research?
1: I've always been very interested in science, and cancer and genetics appealed to me very early on, but... Also, in my family, we have had a lot of cases of cancer, um, lost three of four grandparents and an uncle to cancer, which is a big drive to want to try and help find ways to treat and prevent more deaths from these diseases. And more personally, with melanoma, both my mother, my sister and I have had some melanomas removed as well, which does suggest that we might be actually one of those families that could have some sort of inherited family risk because my sister and myself are quite young as well for this. Mm. That is actually something else we look at in the lab for both skin melanoma and uveal melanoma is families where it seems to be more common than you'd expect or they experience it a lot earlier than you'd expect which does suggest that they might have some of these inherited risks and this can give us more clues as to how these tumours form and also what might be important for them to form and grow and progress and how they might be treated. And you have skin in the game. Yeah, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Immune checkpoint inhibitors
0: or immunotherapies has greatly improved survival with melanoma,
1: but much less so with uveal melanoma. And you've explained that a little before. They're quite different. They are very different. And one of the big differences is for the majority of them, we don't have this component of sun exposure. We don't have this high level of damage to the DNA where there's just multiple points that are damaged. And this is something that the immune system recognises and knows there is something wrong with those cells and that they should attack them. This is a lot lower in uveal melanoma, which is possibly one of the reasons why the immune system has a lot of trouble identifying them and attacking them, even when we're trying to give them help with immunotherapies. And it could also be because the drugs developed to treat them, even in the immunotherapy area, are designed for skin melanomas and some of the components of the immune system that get altered in response to skin melanomas. And there's evidence coming out now that these might be actually different components that get altered in response to eye melanomas. So we might actually need to develop a different set of immunotherapies for the eye melanomas compared to those that have been developed for the skin. So the genetic features
0: of these tumours and what predisposes the spread is your focus. So what do you know And what do you need to uncover to get that targeted therapy you're after?
1: For uveal melanoma, we're in the position where we know a lot about the genetic factors that get altered because there's very few of them, especially compared to skin melanoma. And we can use these to pretty accurately predict which of the patients are going to experience any metastatic spread. However, we don't understand why any of these components we know to be defective are causing the tumour to either develop or spread. We understand functionally very little about what these defects are doing. And this is something that we need to uncover if we're going to find any way of blocking this. We need to know what signals they are sending through the cancer cells to each other, telling them to grow and to spread. Once we know these factors, then we're going to be able to block them. So a lot of my work is looking at modelling these defects and trying to see exactly what they're doing, what they're changing in the cells, what messages they're sending out, so that we can then figure out how we can block these and hopefully stop the disease progressing. Have you had any breakthroughs? Some of the things we have learnt recently from looking at the genetics, like I said earlier, 5% of these tumours that occur in the iris actually do have a UV signature, and these have more mutations than the majority of them so these patients are probably likely to respond to immunotherapy, unlike the vast majority of uveal melanoma where they get very little benefit. We have also found gene that is defective that gets inherited through families called MBD4. The inheritance of this gene does predispose to developing uveal melanoma, but it is another thing that also makes these tumors that result from this mutation have a high level of damage. And there is evidence from our group and another couple of groups from around the world that shows these patients actually do seem to respond remarkably well to immunotherapy compared to the rest of the uveal melanoma population. So there are a few little clues that have come in from there about certain types of patients that will benefit from some of the treatments we already have But what the big focus is now is trying to develop new treatments for those patients that we can't find any existing treatments that are going to be of great benefit for.
0: That's the thing about immunotherapy. It's so successful in some people. Just to be in that group is the trick, isn't it?
1: Yes. And Mm -hmm. there have been some clues that have been discovered in terms of why this might be the case, including the level of mutation or defects you have in the DNA. But the vast majority of it, even in the cancers where it does work quite well, it is still very unclear exactly why those patients will respond and why some patients won't. And for all of the cancers where immunotherapy is a benefit, this is a big focus of research because if we can crack that code, we can hopefully make it more accessible and make it function in the patients where it's previously not working.
0: There are lifestyle cancers, Kelly, where there's certain things you could do to lower your risk. But this is not the case, is it?
1: No. Unfortunately, we haven't identified any external sources of anything that cause uveal melanoma, like smoking when it can come to lung cancer or sun exposure when it comes to skin cancer. Apart from those 5% that we've mentioned iris melanomas that occur in that coloured part in your eye, wearing sunglasses can help you prevent that because that's going to prevent some UV damage to your eye as well as actually another type of eye melanoma called conjunctival, which occurs on that membrane across the front of your eye. So wearing sunglasses can be very useful for those two. And obviously, looking after your eye health, regular eye checks will help with early detection, which is your best course of action for any cancer is to detect it as early as possible.
0: Some cancers seem to form in a group. Is this the case?
1: We do seem to see that Uveal melanoma cases do often occur in families where there are skin melanoma cases as well, but especially being in Australia where there's a high risk of skin cancers and skin melanomas, that's always hard to nut out if it's a true association or not. For a small subset of uveal melanomas where we know they're associated with an inherited mutation in a gene called BAP1, There are other cancers that are associated with that inherited gene as well that will often co occur in families that have that, including kidney cancers and mesothelioma. What's the general goal of your lab? So, we actually look at factors associated with the DNA of both the tumour and the DNA of the people who carry it. So, this is to look at what is defective in the actual cancers and what is defective or altered in families where there are a high number of cases of different melanomas. And we look at this across all of the melanoma subtypes, including skin, mucosal, uveal, and acryl, which are ones that form on the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet as well. And this is critical in helping us identify what causes these cancers to develop and what might contribute to them occurring more commonly in certain families. So the more families we have that seem to present with higher cases of melanoma gives us more information and a higher number of people to identify any factors that are inherited between families that are going to predispose you to this. Because this predisposition only occurs in a fairly low percentage of families and cases globally. So we really need the numbers to help us identify those small percentages. And when these are identified, these factors, and are shown to predispose to the cancer, this helps us identify the families that are going to need closer monitoring to make sure that we can pick up the development of any of these cancers much earlier and obviously provide them much better treatment options and outcomes. People say, what's the point of knowing my
0: genes? But there it is.
1: How can we help? Participating in any trials or any studies for genetics is very helpful Even if you don't think you're one of the family groups, we get a lot of tumour samples from uveal melanoma patients in general, very generous patients who consent to be involved in our studies and give us samples of both their blood and the tumour. And these are just critically important discovery tools for us to know what is happening both in the tumour and in the patient and without these valuable gifts and donations from these patients. We are not going to make any progress or any steps forwards in understanding what is happening and how we can stop this. If you'd like to participate in any trials in
0: that area or any trials at all, if you'd like to know more about Dr Kelly Brook's work or any of our research, go to qimrburkoffer.edu.au. Remember, this podcast is a general discussion. Your own doctor is always the best option for your own personal health. Thank you, Dr Kelly.
1: Thank you.